Hello, internet friends, and welcome to another episode of Render Time. I'm Richard Lutz, and it is my goal to connect you with some of the individuals behind some of the biggest films, TV shows, and advertising in the world. In this week's episode, we are connecting with Allison from To the Wolves. Allison and I met back when we were both studying art direction at the VCU Brand Center. Since graduation, she has worked at some of the biggest agencies in the world, but has recently ditched the agency lifestyle to start her own creative agency agency called To The Wolves. I really enjoyed this conversation with Allison because she goes into great detail about what ultimately made her want to leave the agency life and start her own creative agency. She discusses some of the challenges and frustrations that she experienced early on and how her and her husband have ultimately grown this thing from a very grassroots level. They talk about how they're trying to help businesses create social content that engages people in new and unexpected ways. So how have you been? It's been a little while. I know, just, uh, what, three years? <laughs> I think it's closer to four now because- I oh gosh, you're right, it class is. Class of 2017 just graduated. Yeah, you're right, because it was 2013. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been four years. <laughs> it's that is far too long for these. In- yeah, it is. You guys staying busy though out in the Midwest? Yeah, yeah, things have been very busy. Um, very hot and humid. It's not like that on the West Coast. I promise you that it's it's hot, but it's not humid. Thankfully, I I don't need any of that. Yeah, no, the humidity. Is- sucks but otherwise it's good um things are a little less busy now that i am not working a full-time job at the same time um but otherwise how have you been i've been good i mean production i'm, I'm not working production anymore i'm working post which is a different beast uh i'm yeah. i'm currently at a finishing facility that does trailers and promos oh awesome um, why don't you begin by introducing yourself? Let's uh, let's start there. Yeah, so uh, my name is Allison, and I am the co-founder, owner of To The Wolves, which is a creative agency. Very nice. That? <laughs> that's, no, that's perfect. I mean, uh, it's interesting because it's like, it seems like you've been all over the place in the last four years. I mean, D- correct me if I'm wrong, DDB... Uh, Y&R in the Midwest and it's it's interesting to see people start their own agencies and shops and creative endeavors yeah well so right after Brand Center I took a job at Walrus in New York mm-hmm. my first advertising job which is privately owned by Deacon and Francis and it's a like a very creative agency because it's owned by a creative and um and because they're not publicly owned i think they you know they it's kind of like that dream where you kind of pick and choose projects you want and you're not being run by the big machine um unless they sold but i don't think they have but uh and that was pretty awesome i mean i didn't like new york but i loved working in that small scrappy creative environment and then since then and moving to chicago and being at ynr and ddb and then most recently uh, GTB and being in like those more bigger corporate agencies, I just I wanted to go back to where I started four years ago. So yeah, 
I and I, I totally get that because it's like I mean I've I've seen I mean I I I went a very different path like six months of working at Fallon and kind of realizing after seeing a Cosmopolitan ad that I should probably be in the edit chair because that's what I've always been pretty good at. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to see like the range of different agencies. I mean, I remember talking to publicists and it feeling super corporate compared to other yeah. shops like um, Fallon, for instance. Totally. So. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's interesting how different, even within like the three bigger, like publicly owned ones, how, how much variety there is in that space too. It's not to say they're all bad, but there's a lot more layers and fat that just get in the way of everything. There's a lot more bureaucracy there. And that's not to say that the people are bad. It's just comes no, with no. the job. Yeah, totally. So why don't you tell me a little bit about To the Wolves? I mean, you, you were working in big, well, how do I put this? You're working in pretty large agencies, probably some of the largest agencies in the world. And what was the motivation to just start your own thing? And where did that start? Like, what was the moment that caused you to say, I'm going to do this? Um, so probably two years ago, uh, Matt, my husband and I were talking about, he works in advertising too. And we were living in Chicago and we were kind of talking about how he's in strategy I'm in creative and how frustrating it is when you're you are getting tripped up over all these like layers at agencies and you feel like you know there's just too many cooks in the kitchen there's too much process and like there's a lot of stuff just getting in the way of being able to do good work for brands and like there's a lot of brands that we've worked on that we really care about and we really like and you really want to be invested in but then you've got you know 30 people in a room that want to just have internal after internal and water everything down and so we start, you know, I think both working in advertising and obviously living together, you talk about it all the time. This, like we should, we should really think about doing this. And that was two years ago. Um, fast forward a year, we ended up doing a project with Motorola as to the wolves. Cause we kind of just started, you know, and it's been a long, long process um, to get to where we are now, which isn't very far, but it's further than we were. And, and our first project a year ago was with Motorola, which I think was like a blessing and a curse because it's such a big global company and we were just the two of us and we were figuring it out. But, you know, from strategy to campaign development to going on like a mini photo shoot and hiring an animator. And it was great because, you know, they obviously pay well and, and you get to kind of just do everything. And it was this great taste of having your own agency that immediately went away because it was one project and it went well. But it was just one project that they needed a different agency to do because theirs wasn't delivering on it. Yeah. And then we were like, oh, I thought this was just going to become like a, you know, like an immediate thing. Like all of a sudden we're going to go from working at our full time agency jobs to owning an agency where we're working with like global brands you know, like that. And, uh, uh, it's, that just wasn't, that just doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. I mean, like I was doing the freelance thing in Seattle, um, working on productions and it's, you get one and then you're like, all right, when's the next gig going to come around? Because yeah. it's like, I'm looking at my bank account and it, it needs some little, it needs a little bit of help. And it's, I mean, working, 
working as a creative, regardless of where you're at as an artist, um, I think it's challenging, especially if you are trying to do the fully independent route. Um, so it is interesting to talk with other creatives as they try to figure out this themselves and how to be financially stable and have a life and create the things that they want. Totally. It's definitely a big uphill uphill fight. And I don't know if it ever totally, you know, like plateaus off at some point. <laughs> but being creative is that you just you just don't care. Like you care so much about the work that you don't care that you're not sleeping or eating or socializing or, you know, doing normal fun things people in their twenties do because you're like, I just wanna I just wanna do this work and make this thing. Yeah. So I, I totally get that. I mean you it seems like you got the Motorola gig and you it I think it seemed like from what you were saying that uh that planted the idea in your head that this might be a a sustainable thing that you can accomplish. Um, what, uh, I mean, at that point, were you all in? I mean, and, and then, like, what was the strategy there in terms of growth of the agency and your own ambitions? Yeah, so that was January last year that we did that work. Um, it was, like, a whole New Year resolution campaign thing um and then I continued to work at YNR for a few more months and then switched over to DDB and at the same time uh we were trying to get trying to figure out how to build to the wolves um the correct way because I think jumping into Motorola like I said was just it was it was good and it was bad but it was it's really hard because as a nobody agency that you're starting from scratch, you know, people, small clients are are kind of intimidated if the only work you have is from Motorola, and then big clients are kind of like, who are you? You just did this one tiny project for Motorola. Like, why should we, you know, work with you? So it kind of put us in a weird spot where we, we had one piece of work under our belt. We didn't have an entire, you know, website filled with, filled with cool stuff. And at the same time, we just didn't um, we didn't re we didn't really know where to start, to be honest. Um, so we kind of just kept trying to stay heavy on social media as like building up this lifestyle lifestyle side brand. Mm -hmm. uh, we're really active on Instagram, and, and we really just started trying to like shoot photos that we liked, but in based in the Midwest, because a lot of the pictures we liked were all in the Pacific Northwest. We really wanted to try to like hone our personality and kind of who we were there because we're like if we can't be face-to-face -face meeting people and we can't be necessarily showing them gobs of work that we're doing because we, we aren't and we don't have clients like how can we at least build up some sort of presence and strangely enough like that that seemed to work so we got like really highly targeted the midwest and we really targeted brands that we liked and that were passionate about located throughout the Midwest. And then this fall basically reworked our entire website again, got uber serious about uh, cold calling, um, which I'm terrible at. I hate uh, it. I hate, I hate it. it. I hate it. I hate it. But Matt is actually like, he gets like, you know, adrenaline from it and likes it. So we just sit there and make lists of brands we like 
that were small enough that we thought we could talk to and get a contact, like just scour the internet for whoever was in charge of marketing at these places. And then we just started, well, he just started calling everyone. I mean, like nonstop through November and December, just reaching out to like every beer brand, wine brand, alcohol, like hotels, tourism boards. I mean, just all sorts of contacts. And we probably only heard back from, at the time, maybe five. And most of them would be like, oh, like we don't know right now. We're getting ready to look at our first quarter for next year and what, what kind of budget we have. A lot of people just won't respond to you at all, uh, which is more frustrating than when they just tell you no. Um, but yeah, it was just that. It was like a constant, like, hey, like, at this point, we had reached probably like 15, 16,000 followers on Instagram, and they were highly targeted in Michigan. So people have actually seen our name, you know, or maybe follow us. And so it kind of worked in our favor because the people we did hear back from would be like, oh, I kind of always wondered who was behind this Instagram account. Like, I'd love to, uh, you know, meet up with you guys next time you're in town. And it kind of slowly started, um, I don't know if I'm making sense, but like slowly started building. Yeah, snowballing in that direction where this Instagram account that we were just kind of building to to practice what we preached about social and then, and then practice building up our own brand image actually started to work for us in order to advertise ourselves to clients so that clients would want to work with us to advertise. No, I, I totally get it because like, I mean, we, it's interesting because it's like, there's, I mean, I remember taking Whithouse's class where he's talking about social content. And at the time it didn't seem like it made much sense, but now looking back on it and given the current state of the internet, it's like social content is king. Like it, it's interesting to see money that was traditionally spent on, on TV being shifted towards Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat and these different advertising buys where it's the big major productions aren't happening as frequently. I mean, they're right. still happening. They're, I mean, they're happening all the time. I live in LA. I see signs for them daily to direct crew to set. But the, the scale of them is changing significantly and we're seeing the power swing in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, even in the last year, year and a half that I was working with other, working at other agencies, they'd be like, trying to get a TV script through was impossible because they know it's going to be close to a million dollars and they want to make sure that they're getting their money's worth. But then, you know, they'd be like, oh, you want to do a, a social video? Sure, here's $50,000. Go ahead. And they'll let you have more fun. They'll let you be more creative. They're, the clients are always more willing to be a little edgier, a little funnier, whatever, when they think that it's just going to live on the internet because I don't think they've had that that switch of, hey, more eyes are actually probably seeing this now online than on TV, uh, which is cool. And I think as like a creative, it's great because you can do down and dirty, quick video shoots. We shot this thing for Ford. Um, with GTB that was like a two-day shoot with a really low budget and it was a lot of fun and you just you know it's still high quality and great and you don't have to spend months of like a giant TV shoot. Well not to mention it's like the I mean the majority of my time in Los Angeles has been in post-production I mean I was previously at the mill and uh 
and I'm now working at a at a finishing facility and it's just like it doesn't matter what it is whatever the piece of content is the amount of work that people are putting into these things is just insane like I saw them spend six months on a Nike commercial Nike spent yeah. a very pretty penny on this uh, six minute commercial um, I mean the, the amount of time and energy that goes into these things is ridiculous yeah. but, but at the same time I think it's cool to see that people now have the ability to create content on their terms and make stuff that gets watched. Oh yeah, and that's the thing is because you you know, you're making it for people to seek out whereas TV you're kind of trapped seeing I don't know how many people are still watching live TV, but you're trapped with commercials. Whereas online people are going to YouTube to watch a commercial they really like or branded content they really like, you know, which is such a different new way to look at things and I think it's really hard for some probably not all but some older creatives and older clients to get that like hey if you do this well people are gonna want to come watch it and they're not it's not like tv where it's just running by chance they're gonna go purposely seek it out which is cool I'm also like browsing your instagram right now and it's just like it's like I remember stumbling upon it uh, months ago, and I was I was just stunned at the growth that you guys were having. I was like, "This is crazy! Twenty thousand subs or followers? That's something that isn't easy to do." I mean, I'm at oh. mid four hundreds, and I'm like, "How do I get this sucker to grow?" It's hard, and right now Instagram changed their algorithm, so like our engagement's been way down. And I'm in this like Instagram group pod thing on slack where we like talk everyone talks about all this stuff and uh they changed it because they really want you to pay for people to see your content now so whereas we used to get like 600 700 likes a post now it's like we're lucky if we get 300 because the minute you post if it doesn't immediately have massive reaction it just gets buried in your feed and all of a sudden a post from like six hours ago will be at the top yeah, it's crazy. It's such. It's such. A, it's just so maddening because you're like, why? I knew Facebook was going to ruin it eventually. I just didn't think. I just wasn't thinking it might actually happen. <laughs> no, it's interesting because it's like I'm thinking about my own posts, and it's like I think one of my best ones is recently is me holding an Oscar. Like, nice. Yeah, I mean, it, I interviewed um, Vicky Sampson, who um, her mom won an Oscar for The River, which is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm holding her mom's Oscar, and it's like, I I mean, the use of the hashtag game, and I think it did okay, but it's just like, it's, I think it's interesting talking to creatives and artists and figuring out, like, their growth strategy in terms of what they've been doing to try and um, grow their accounts and profiles, because it seems like... I don't want to say the power is shifting from agencies, but it seems like it's you're setting yourself up for a position of success where you have the creative knowledge and you know how to, what a campaign should look like and sound like and feel like, but you're also able to deliver great content, be that photo and video. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I think even like if you go on the, like the ad weeks and agency spies and stuff like that, they talk about how agencies are, or clients are shifting to being more project-based than like AOR mm -hmm. and 
it, that only really benefits, you know, people like us that are like, hey, we can do that. We can do it cheaper and we can do it quicker. And you don't have to deal with, you know, 5,000 people trying to decide what to do. And you don't need to, like, pay them as much because, you know, I mean, once you start looking at budgets that agencies charge, you're like, well, I could do that for a sixth the cost, <laughs> which is really nice. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's definitely shifting to being project-based. And when they can see that, hey, you're capable of doing this, you you have the right thinking and you're doing all the production and what you're not doing, you're hiring, like, the right people for. So why not save ourselves money and pay someone else to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh I think it's been exciting to see your guys' growth in terms of the things that you've been doing to try and launch this thing and it's it's been it's been exciting to watch you guys do your thing. Um Thanks. especially given like I mean you were talking about that Ford commercial a minute ago and I'm just like thinking to myself, well, there was probably at least fifteen people on that job. Yeah, between agency and production, and then, well, so the first... I'm probably lowballing, too. Yeah, I guess probably, like, the first night that we shot, because the car has to be, like, on a trailer when the talent is driving, mm -hmm. because she's obviously not, you know, certified to be racing around a bunch of back roads. Um, the car was, like, trailered, so you had your... I'm not even sure what you... Call it, cause it wasn't like your film production crew, but it was your other production crew that was doing all that stuff, which includes like the big, um, like crane cam. Oh, the, the, camera uh, the camera car, um, pursuit vehicles or ultimate arm. Uh, are, are you talking about ultimate, ultimate? It was like a truck. It was a truck that had like the crane hanging off the back. Yeah. Road, that'd so. be a pursuit vehicle or an ultimate arm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So there was probably more people on that than, yeah, more than 15. I think, like, the agency, there was three creatives and two account people there. And then the film production crew was probably, like, four or five people. And then the actual, like, camera crew gear guys was probably five or six. And then you got a couple of cops because you have roads yep. closed. And, um, but it was only, I don't know. It wasn't even fifty a fifty thousand. I think it was under fifty thousand dollars. So that's actually a pretty good price point for something of that nature. But it's yeah. it's interesting seeing you guys do the opposite of that because it's like it seems like you guys are being super um, scrappy about the work that you're doing. Not to say that scrappy's bad. I think scrappy is awesome because we're seeing a lot of people make great work with very limited. Uh, um, I don't want to say I don't know if. Re we're seeing people create great work on a very limited um, budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What What is it? I mean, coming from the creative background and now playing in film and photography, I mean, what what has been your approach with these things? Um, I'm just figuring it out as I go along. I mean, I I guess I've always kind of like messed with video not in like a serious way in high school I think I did like a year of video production and like in college I dabbled back and forth with it it's not like my you know it wasn't like my first or strongest skill I'm really bad at understanding like a lot of the 
tech, technology specs and stuff like that. And so I've had to really force myself to learn a lot of it because the clients we're working with now, they don't have, you know, they don't have $50,000 budgets or $20,000 budgets. They have small budgets. And so you really can only work with what you got. And I think I've just been trying to like, we're going to try to become sustainable, which really means being able to like work within these budgets and being able to still make a profit on them at the same time. And also keeping as much in house and doing it ourselves as possible is like, is a good way to you know do all that. Um, so I've just been watching a lot of YouTube and watching, reading a lot of articles and posts and practicing a lot. And I'm fortunate that like I, Matt has very good friends that have their own film production company. And then one of my, one of my brother-in-laws has his own film production company. So whenever we have a question about something, you know, I've been going to people that are much more knowledgeable about those things, but also I guess production, even when I was working in agencies was, is obviously like the most fun, you know, concepting is fun and like pitching isn't really that much fun, (laughs) but like the, the like coming up with the ideas is the best part and then actually executing them is and now that you have your we have our own agency you kind of get to do both of the best parts um and if you want to be on production when you have such a small budget you have to be able to do the production yourself yeah but that's awesome though because it's like i mean it's interesting because like working on the post side of the post side of advertising, people are like, oh yeah, agencies just love production because it gets them out of the office and they get to see their thing made. And I, I totally yeah. get that. And it's they, they don't have to necessarily concept another campaign. They can just watch an editor or a sound uh, designer do their thing and bring this campaign that they've been spending six months to a year on to life. Yeah, totally. And I, my favorite part was honestly always kind of working with directors that were very comfortable having you as the art director also like right up next to them and kind of being very hands-on at you know because obviously you pick your director and you work with them but some of them you know want you to just stay away while they do their they thing they want but you the to stay that, in video village yeah but it, we always tried to pick in the past directors that were very into like working together on shoots and I wanted to like I I love the idea of being a director someday and I liked to like be up next to them and like just take it all in and learn as much as I could from them um which I think was helping me a lot more now because it is totally different when you're all of a sudden not just the creative but you're the producer and the director and the DP and the editor (laughs) yeah it's it's a beast of a I mean, I've lived that life, and it's it's, yeah. it's a lot to juggle, especially it, it's it's easy to lose sight of the creative vision when you have 30 other balls in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've found myself in situations where I'm, like, just trying to get through my day where I'm like, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, and I got to do this, but I don't, I don't have the time to stop and question, well, why am I doing those things? Right. What are the, why am I making said decisions or am I just going through the motions and just trying to get the stuff I need yeah and I think days like that like because so I shoot um photos for a beer brand and I think there's certain days like that where I feel like I'm just going through the motions and I'll be like these photos all suck because I'm like so 
mentally like fried because I was still working a full-time job and then trying to do this at on nights and weekends and I was like I'm just trying to like get stuff done but I'm not actually being creative and I'm not thinking and I'm not like building any strategy to any of this I'm just turning out junk and so honestly I will say quitting my job has and doing this full-time has definitely made things better and easier because you you're not just like bogged down constantly and having zero time to like think and actually plan before you execute which as you know and I know like that's so necessary yeah absolutely like um I remember like two years ago I put together this fourth of July video I I I just posted it on my uh, Facebook, but it's like, I remember in order to come up with a spot of that nature, I needed the time just to play in Photoshop and design style frames that I knew that I were going to, that I was going to be cutting in between. Yeah. If, and I needed the time to like, I, I, I don't fancy myself a writer. I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm an editor and I, I, I can get stuff done in Photoshop. Um, but I knew that I needed to take some time and edit that and give it the proper time needed to make it what I wanted. Yeah. If, if I couldn't do that, that would have, I would have not been happy to put it out into the world knowing that people are going to say, wow, this, this isn't that good. I'm not going to watch this again. Well, and that's the thing is once you, you know, you put it out there, you really don't know because it is the internet. You don't know who's going to see it, especially if it's, like, on YouTube. I mean, I'll find myself watching, like, random YouTube videos, and I'm like, how did I get here? Yeah. But that, so that's, like, when we finish a project and we ship it to the client, I'm like, well, I honestly have – you get a little self-conscious, and you're like, is it finished? Is this the best we could have done? Is it really ready to see, like, for everyone to see it? And then who is everyone? Because it's really a representation of you once it goes out there. Absolutely. I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's I think that's like you know being cre- a creative. I think you're self conscious anyways, and then you're putting this little like precious piece of work that you just slaved over out there, hoping that you know it's, one person will like it. It's exactly, and especially once you're in post, because it's like you can't exactly go out and get pickup shots unless they're incredibly easy to do. It's uh, oh yeah. It's like. Uh, well, that ship has sailed. Uh, we're going to work with what we got here. And yeah. I'm going to be cursing the entire way, just knowing, like, fuck, this is not what I want it to be, but yeah. we're going to power through. Right? I better look through all those files one more time to make sure I don't have a better version of this. Oh, my God. Like, and just, like, it's, yeah, and not to mention, like, the amount of time that it just takes to make things. Like, I can easily spend... Ooh, I want to say 20 hours just setting up a project. I've been in those circumstances where I'm just logging footage for days. Oh, yeah. It's just, That's... it's no fun. And being told that they need something in 20 hours, I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it'll take me that long just to import everything and organize it. People do not know. Um, no, so, they don't. <laughs> so, it's... What is the goal right now in terms of like to well to the wolves because it's it's interesting your guys's model is really interesting in terms of just the social content and it seems like I looked at your website here a second ago and it seems like you're doing a lot of work with local shops like uh, I, I see uh, hold on uh, 
Traverse City. I saw that online, and it just seems like a lot of really cool local initiatives, as well as trying to um, work towards the larger campaigns like the Motor the Motorola's. I mean, what has the balancing act looked like for you guys on these things? Yeah, so um, we definitely are trying to focus on the Midwest because that's where we are starting with Traverse City because we just bought a house there. Um, and then kind of pushing out, we work with a beer brand that's actually based out of Chicago and brewed in Detroit. Um, and we just haven't put their stuff up on, we've been shooting photos for their social and we're working on, I just storyboarded out an entire brand video for them that I'm starting to shoot this week. All of July will be like production on that. Um, which is exciting. It's like a big undertaking. Uh, but it's like the first big video project, like big, big video project that I've had to like write a script for and then storyboard and do all this pre-pro. So I'm excited about that. Um, I guess our goal is really just to be, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I guess just completely self-sustainable and just growing. Um, it'd be great, I think, to be able to hopefully in August, we'll, by the end of August, maybe we'll both be doing this full time. Um, from there, it's just kind of continuing to network and grow and get more clients and continue to have relationships with clients that we do have which so far is working out well um but yeah I don't know I don't know if there's like an end goal it's just really continued to continued growth and someday maybe be able to hire someone else to shoot our videos for us and so you can just focus on the concept yeah yeah I mean I'm not trying to ever be like just a manager I think I still like you know I obviously still love the creative process um, and still want to be in on it, but it's been fun learning how to do a lot of that, and I like I like filming and I like shooting, but I think to be able to get a client and a project big enough to be able to, like, vendor it out would be awesome. Yeah, and what has that process been like talking to local clients? Because a lot of times being approached by, to your point, someone that's done work for Motorola can seem really intimidating. I mean, I've, I know that I've been in similar circumstances where people don't, one, they don't understand the need of video and two, they don't understand like why they have to pay for Facebook in order for people to get an eyeball. Exactly. It's (laughs) it's like, why do, why do I have to pay for it? I thought it's free. It's like, well, yeah, it it, is. If you want like five people to see it. (laughs) So what, what is those, especially like, I'm interested in like talking with other creatives about these conversations and approaching them with ideas for work because it's not like going up to say AT and T, um, Don style and just presenting ideas. Yeah, that's a. Well, we we did that kind of with Motorola and it worked out, um, but with a lot of these smaller clients. Um, local brands there's definitely like some of them that just get it and they just don't quite know like they know what they need to do but they don't know how to do it which is great because then they're they're willing like they're willing to take a chance on on using us which is nice um and then that's you know that hopefully works out well for them um i think that a lot of smaller brands it comes with a lot of upfront education about like why 
you know, why you should be working with an agency to do this, why you should be on social to begin with and why you should be paying for it. Cause a lot of people think, Oh, I don't, I think like we've talked to a lot of brands that be like, Oh no, our, our social presence is fine. And I'm like, really? Cause it's, it's really, you know, you've got 60 followers, you get maybe six likes you, I'm sure your sales are probably fine, but don't you want to be growing? I don't know. Wouldn't you want to be growing more? And I don't think, I don't think they, especially smaller brands in smaller towns get the correlation between like a social presence and actual like brand recognition to purchase. Um, so it is, it's just a lot of education. Um, and, and telling them why that's, you know, like an important thing to be building up. And, you know, besides the fact that you're making fun content and getting your name out there, you're also building up really a personality of your brand online. And and some people, you know, do it and they do it really tacky, but it somehow works for them. And some people like to do it in a more like this is, you know, nice way. And it's just deciding who you are and then actually putting it you know out there and building a presence of yourself in like this massive growing space um i don't know i'm kind of rambling but no no no. It's, it's good i i totally get it because it's uh i th- it's been interesting like seeing both sides of the equation in terms yeah. of working with working on uh the post side for like nike and like being surrounded by that stuff where there's art directors, writers, strategists, creative directors who are locked in and totally get it and the client gets it and puts all their trust behind them. Meanwhile, right. the local mom and pop shop, like like there's a ski shop back home where I live where they'll just, they'll post a picture to Instagram where it's like all their ski boots on sale. Well, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing there and like, oh, you're posting ski boots. Right. That, that's okay. That's not how it works where's the story in the post and how can you have fun with it to drive awareness to bring people into the store and make it seem larger than just a ski shop almost like how REI has been doing it recently with their campaigns done by Mechanism I believe right where you almost feel like you want to be the lifestyle that that brand is putting off Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like I think um this is also like a hard platform for people to to get and to use, but I think if you people looked at it more like Pinterest, like Pinterest, you save stuff that you like. And I think I don't think a lot of smaller brands realize Instagram and YouTube are the same way, where you're you're not just seeing it because it's in your newsfeed; you're following it because you like it and you kind of want to be like it or learn something from it or. You know, it's more of like an attainable someday sort of thing. Inspiration or recipes or learning or interests. It's not like, hey, I just need to know that your ski boots are on sale. Exactly. And how has the response been for you guys, especially talking with like Traverse City and, and your other clients, especially about in terms of how you've been approaching your clients? I mean, has, it seems like the response has been pretty good, but I'd love to hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, it's some uh, clients really get it. Um, Travis State Tourism definitely gets it there. Um, they put, I'm assuming, probably put paid behind the work we do for them. And 
some of the other brands we worked with do the same. And actually, like the beer brand we're working with, totally, totally gets it, and they've been like very like trusting of us to just basically build up their brand personality and like story online, which is really cool. Um, I think I don't think we've really worked with anyone yet that doesn't get it. We've had discussions with people that don't that are like intrigued maybe but it is it's really hard to get those people to be on board with the idea of being like hey we should we should be you know online we should be doing something in the space that everyone else is in <laughs> um so yeah i think i don't know it'll just see where some of these brands end up based on where we've started with them and if they will come around to wanting to do stuff or if they'll just, you know, keep being okay with where they're at. I don't know. But yeah, I will say the the ones we've worked with obviously get it, which is I think why they're willing to invest in it, which has been great. Yeah, and I think we'll I think only time will tell um in regards to the market. I think the market is the great working in advertising and production and all these things, I think the cool thing about the work that we get to do is the market gets to decide. Um, yeah. And, I mean, the work that you guys are doing is fantastic, um, especially for such a small team. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it's uh, these things can quickly spiral into productions that are way too big, so it's exciting to see just the work that you guys are doing on just a very, very scrappy, ba- yeah, scrappy and determined basis. But I think that's, yeah. I think that's exciting. Yeah, it has been exciting. And it's honestly, it's been a lot of fun. And it's been like, I mean, the amount that I've, I think we both have learned in like the last year, especially the probably the last eight months has been awesome. Cause I mean, I went from, I mean, like even my, you'll, well, we loosely talked about this before, but like my camera setup changed entirely. I went from having like a Canon 70D, 60D, to switching to like the A7R2 and having like a bunch of junk lenses to buying like actual like nice lenses and having to actually learn how to use everything. It's just been, it's been cool because I think it pushed me into a zone where I was fine not really learning about any of that stuff because I wasn't the one shooting it to now being like, I have to know how to do this. Yeah. It pushes me into like being out of my comfort zone, being like, no, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to figure out how to use use this camera and I'm going to figure out how to get these shots and I'm going to figure out how to color correct them all myself. And I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's like I think I've always liked learning and I think that was definitely – one thing I missed the last like year or two of agency life was that I wasn't I wasn't really growing at all. Mm-hmm. It's, so and it's the, nice doing that again. So I'm assuming that the next camera package is or the camera purchase is going to be a red with uh, <laughs> with uh, I'm trying to think of lens package. Um, I don't I Zeiss Cinema know. Glass. You, I do have uh, two Zeiss lenses right now. Um, I want for Sony, but. I was terrified. I was like, "How? Why are they so expensive?" And then you see the images, and like, and then you're like, "Oh, I get yeah. it." Yeah, uh, I get it. Well, and it was a big switch because I mean, Canon. Obviously, everyone talks about this, but like their color is so nice. 
Yeah. And Sony is so different. They're sharp. Especially yeah. the Zeiss lenses. They are very, very sharp. I have a buddy that has a he has an A7R and he has a he has a Sony 42 millimeter. I either way, it's it's just super yeah. sharp and it's it's the images are stunning. I mean, I I'm trying to stay on Canon glass because uh, if I ever decide to go to like say a Red or a C100 or C200, C300, yeah, then I'd have to liquidate all my lenses if I were on a Sony package. That's that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think we're seeing cameras and lenses. Um, I think Sony's been making some incredible gains over the last couple of years. I mean, Canon's hurting, especially in oh, yeah. the photo world. Canon just, well, it really for me it came down to, because I kind of debated for a really long time about getting either like a Mark IV or a Sony. And I went and picked up the Canon and I was like, this is so big for me. Like I, I'm not real strong. And then I'm going to put this on a stabilizer and carry it around. And it's it's a huge camera, and then they don't have half the text features that Sony has. And I was like, I can't, I just can't. It doesn't make sense to me, and it's more expensive. What <laughs> What are you on? An A seven S or A seven R? A seven R two. God, like even the low light for like that camera is just. Oh, it's so good. It's like I have a GH four, which is a s- solid little camera. I mean, yeah. I wish I got the A seven S. Not gonna lie, but. At the same time, it's just like those cameras are so small, and it's just like what you can get out of them. And it's like even the new 6D Mark II doesn't do 4K internally. I know. It's, it doesn't it's make just, sense. I don't get it. It's like people are just like distru- like just yelling at Canon, just like, what are you guys doing? I think they're coming out with their mirrorless soon, aren't they? Well, they're going to have to because... Uh, in order to remain competitive because Sony and even Panasonic are just yeah destroying right now. They're I mean there's a path of destruction after in the wake of Sony. Like get out of Sony's way because they are just Oh, I know. I mean even for like our second shooter camera, we got a Sony A6500 which are still and, beasts. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, we Matt will shoot on that and then I'll shoot on the A7R. And then we obviously, you know, use footage from both, and we're shooting at usually like 1080 at 60 frames per second, and everything matches perfectly, and it's crisp and clean, and it's it's just also simple. He went, yeah, it, I don't know, I don't know. It was a it was a big deal at the time when I was stressing out over which camera to go to, but I think I'm happy where I'm where I landed. Did you rent beforehand? No, I know a bunch of people told me to, but I don't know. <laughs> After, like, finally, like, just decided, like, going and picking up the Canon, I was like, I cannot lug this thing around. It's so big. Well, the, lens, the lenses would weigh more than your entire camera, especially the uh, behemoth that is the 70-200. to 200. I know. Well, and then the nice thing about having that, because I was looking at, like, the Ronin, uh, you know, like three axis gimbal. I want one. I really want one. Yeah, and I was like, well, if I go with a Canon, I'm gonna have to get the Ronin. But then I went with the Sony, which is so light, even with like my uh, biggest lens on it, that I can put it on that. I don't know how to say it. June. Yeah, June. I don't know. I know I what you're no talking idea. about. Yeah. 
and which we, is cheaper, a little cheaper than the Ronin, but it's all it's my entire setup is so small and light. It's I don't know, I really like it. I like not having to be like fatigued from carrying around a heavy heavy setup all day on a shoot versus having like such a light compact setup. Well, not to mention like if you went with the uh, Ronin, you'd probably have to also buy an easy rig, which is like a ba- which yeah, is, which is like a backpack with an arm to support the the weight of the of the uh, Ronin. Oh yeah, totally. Which I mean, and then you have to get the whole stand thing to even to balance it all. It just it becomes so much more stuff. <laughs> but that's why these big. That's why there's so many people on these big productions. Is it's like. It takes at a minimum two people to run a red. Yeah. Probably closer to three because you have the DP, the the first AC, and the second AC. One guy's doing the slate and ma- maintaining like camera logs, and the other guy just to pull focus. Oh yeah, that was the last um, shoot I was on. That Ford shoot. We were the even the uh, drone we were using took two people because you got the one guy that's flying it and then the one guy operating the camera the dp operating the camera well and then you have the director calling the shots and you probably so need really one more cre- person for spotting it for line of sight just due to faa regulations well technically yeah but I mean, it was at it was at night and <laughs> everyone else was in a car so oh. but yeah yeah they were in the in like a truck bed it was okay um but yeah, that's the thing, and it's so I can go up with like my Phantom, and shoot basically the same thing. Maybe not as high of a resolution, and I have to make all the calls. But it's just you. Everything's getting smaller and simpler. Um, I don't know. It's all. It keeps everything. You know, I think easier. I no, I totally agree. But I think with that, there's a ton of competition. And it's hard for a lot of people to ultimately uh, get started and find their path in these things. Um, yeah. I mean, to your point earlier, I mean, these doing this stuff, regardless if you're a trained creative like we are in terms of going to a kick-ass ad school or just learning it yourself, it can be very overwhelming, especially given the amount of competition and noise. I mean, what has been the biggest challenges of getting started and ultimately over overcoming those like what has been that what does that look like for you i think um kind of with a lot of things really your biggest hang up is always going to be yourself because it's really easy matt and i actually were just talking about this it's really easy to be like i could just stay in my nine to five and be comfortable like i have a salary i have health insurance i get a paycheck every two weeks (laughs) I get to go on like big budget shoots um but at the end of the day like do I really love what I'm doing and do I really like I don't you know like I'm so much happier in these like scrappy little battles of trying to just get a little bit of business and do the entire shoot myself than I am you know spending 40 hours a week sitting in an office working for someone else so I think like that was really the biggest hurdle was being like this is going to be hard and uncomfortable and like we're not going to sleep a lot and we're not going to have weekends and we're not going to have friends because we don't have time to like hang out with anyone. 
but we're going to just do this and like fight for it because we believe in it. And I think like competition wise, it was really always just getting over our own, our own fears and like getting outside of our comfort zone and like going after it and just being like, you know, like for me, I'm not one that's going to like pick up the phone and cold call someone, but like just being like able to push yourself into that space of like, I'm going to like meet these people that I normally probably wouldn't go just talk to, but I'm going to go do it. And I think that's been it. And I think being in the Midwest and being in, especially like in, in Michigan, there's a lot more um, community over over competition which is nice so people will like be like hey we we're like we're busy on other projects we can't do this but we could send it to these guys and they might be able to do it which is actually really nice um and kind of different than usual agency life where you're like pitching and fighting and trying to steal business and it's like i'm sure there will be that i just hopefully not anytime soon it's like game of thrones but agency style out there for some people but it's good to yeah. hear that the midwest is not Still like that nice. yeah it's definitely lives up to its um well i mean there's there's assholes everywhere but i would say the midwest definitely lives up to its reputation of just being like pretty humble pretty kind pretty much like hey they're our neighbors yeah. so we're gonna help um and that's what i found working at fallon too is it's like wow everybody's so nice yeah Me- meanwhile out here on the West Coast, people are like, where the fuck is my green juice? I asked for it two <laughs> minutes ago. It's like, whoa there, buddy. We, we got some issues we got to work on first. Which I would never say, but... You'd, no, you'd go get the green juice. <laughs> but going backwards for a second, I mean, you, you mentioned str- challenges and moments where you... Um, you mentioned challenges and struggles that you may have faced on your own journey. I mean, are there any that stand out that that you had to work through? I mean, what were some of those moments? Um, I think a lot of it was figuring out, and this is one thing we're still trying to kind of work through. One thing as like, as an agency is always for us, sorry, as an agency, one thing we're trying to kind of figure out is how we talk about ourselves, like on our website, and when we talk about ourselves to other people. Because I think you see a lot of really great like write-ups, and then you see a lot of crappy ones. And that's one thing we're trying to figure out, because we don't want to come across, I think a lot of the ones I like are a little more aggressive and, and blunt about what kind of agency they are, but I don't know that I'm necessarily that aggressive. And then I also like how weird walrus has always been but I don't think we're quite that weird so it's just trying to figure out like our own as like our, our brand personality as an agency which is I think a little different than our Instagram personality and it's kind of trying to figure out how to hybrid those um, together which is something I've been working at more lately because I think while they are all the same thing, it's all to the wolves, it's trying to figure out how they all live in tandem with each other in a way that it seems like it's always the same brand. Like, as kind of almost a rule, we very rarely share 
work on our Instagram and we'll just share or we'll or like advertising heavy stuff. We'll share just on our Facebook. I don't know. That's like a stupid challenge, but that's like a that's a more recent one. It's not like a real hurdle, but I think I've talked about those probably enough. No, I, I totally get it because it's like I think I don't know if you I don't know how much you're paying attention to people like say Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. It's like his whole thing is like you don't necessarily have to make it some big creative thing which goes completely in the face of what we learned in school. I think I th- but I think there is a degree of truth to it in the sense that we should just be sharing our truth. Yeah. Totally. And that's been one thing we've been working through with like our lifestyle side of the brand on social is being more just us and especially as like now an agency and now you know 50% of us this is my full-time job now is being like me you know because I think we kind of we kind of hid between by being a little like out of our photos not ever really putting any people or a whole lot of personality behind like the copy or anything we've been trying to figure out how to just be us Mm -hmm. um in that space, which is surprisingly hard because you're like, well, I am being me and normal me would like probably use some emo band lyrics on a photo. So I can't be that version of me <laughs> on my brand's page. I, so it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird balance of like trying to figure out what is the non like, what's me without being like 100% me. <laughs> what's what's me but also has mass visibility and acceptance and that's not quite like pigeonholing me i get it yeah and like what's yeah what's i don't know well and like you were saying you're not a writer neither am i and so i think like you know hold on i gotta move inside i i can it's it sounds like it's getting heavy out there yeah it's picking up a little (laughs) um (laughs) i started noticing the rain it's like oh it's i didn't notice that a second ago i was like wow i'm really noticing it's like just static yeah, it just started. I was like sitting under this tiny square section of roof on our deck, and it just started dumping and thundering. So, Sp- speaking of yeah. emo music for a second, I just picked up uh, Emery's "The Question" on vinyl. Oh, nice! I found it. It, it was like it was used. I'm like, oh, I can't pass this up. I'll I will never see this ever again. I I think they're. They've got to be playing out there soon. I think they're on tour. Right they now. are. They're playing July twenty eighth with. What? God, hold on. I gotta look it up. Like, there was another emo band that I just listened to. I was like, it's so funny because people at work are like, "You listen to emo?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's uh. like, it's like two thousand five, man. Like, I'm I'm still like listening to like, Emery or I haven't listened to." Or Anne Berlin. I, An- oh, Anne Berlin, so good. Did you see their box set? Yeah, I know. I contemplated. I looked at how, it. I was like, "Oh, good God!" That's how um, Matt and I met. Was because of Anne Berlin. So I did contemplate. I was like, "Eh, never mind." <laughs> it was so expensive. I was just yeah. like, "I can't afford it." No, R.I.P. They were so great. Oh, I know. Like I saw their live album. I've seen them like three or four times. Um, I should have saw them their last time they played in LA, but it's like, yeah, I've seen them so many times. And after I've seen them, I was just like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, Emery with lowercase noises, who I don't know, and heart, I don't know. hearts like lions. 
that sounds familiar, but I don't think I know totally. I don't think I've ever heard them. Probably heard of, not heard. Like Hearts Like Lions. I listened to them and I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, I can get behind this in a heartbeat. But anyways, um, so you, it sounds like, what were we talking about? Uh, growth and being just... your brand, being like, you know, you as your brand, but not being totally you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that. And like, that's been, I think that's been the biggest struggle for me is, especially being in a place like Los Angeles and Seattle, where it, it's funny, like coming out of Brand Center, it's like you learn how to market and you learn how to like advertise. And it's like coming out of Brand Center, I quickly realized like where I'm good at is just the creative. I have no, I, I, I struggle with the means to just like put myself out there on the internet. It's, well, it's such a, I don't know, it's, it's a hard place to be in, in general, because I think. It's well, there's actually been like a lot of articles lately about how younger kids, like especially, I don't know what you call the next, the lower generation, but they're the becoming more. Sorry, that was a joke. What are they? What did you call them? The youths. The youths? Yeah. The youths are becoming more and more depressed and like socially anxious and reclusive because they're putting, they're living their lives basically like, it sounds so stupid, but based on engagement really you know like if their photos don't get immediately 11 likes they freak out and if they don't have you know a few hundred followers on every channel and they're not growing i mean if you look at like a high school kid's instagram they probably have like 5000 followers just because it's like this crazy it's like how they kind of live and die and it's so so sad but it's also something we kind of have to learn because they're kind of becoming like you know our target audience slowly but they're also I don't that's like a totally different topic but yeah I think putting stuff on the internet is like being the first generation to be like basically fully plugged into it I think it um kind of messes with our psyches a little and I think you're absolutely right because like go I mean it's interesting like I don't know if you know the names John I don't know if you know the not let me try again I don't know if you know the name John Keatley. He's a commercial photographer out of Seattle. And he, he has this great workshop uh, talking about how to be sustainable as a photographer. And I think I've wanted to go to it, even though I'm a filmmaker, um, because I think a lot of the things that he was talking about in regards to photography apply directly as filmmakers. And yeah. Sense. He had a video of his rep talking about um, the challenges of uh, today's marketplace. And what that also means is um, we're seeing, or she was saying she was seeing people lose jobs because they didn't have a large enough social graph in terms of an yeah. audience that they were bringing to a piece of work for, say, Alaska Airlines as a photographer or as a filmmaker. It's crazy. I mean, that There's is a... agencies like that though. Habash Chicago has like a reputation that they won't they won't hire people for certain accounts and teams unless you have a certain amount of uh, followers on Instagram. 
but that, that's a is, very scary reality to be moving into, especially for like n- not just us, but say the older directors. I mean, guys yeah. like I mean, guys in their fifties who've never been in a situation where they have to think about social audiences and what they're bringing there on a daily basis. I think yeah, and I kind of think that's true of all. I mean, you, we were just talking about this with the restaurants because like I'll. Instead of going to Yelp, because I think Yelp, you're like, eh, how many people oh, I got still like, use Yelp. poisoning? Yeah, I still use it to find out like if people got sick or not. But I'll oftentimes look at the geotag of a restaurant on Instagram That's interesting. to see what kind of pictures people are the posting. The food photos. Yeah, is there food photos, environment photos, what kind of people are there? Like, hey, this person took three photos there, and they're dressed fancy in all of them. I guess I should like dress a little nicer you know that's interesting or if i like click on it and there's zero no one has ever posted a photo there tag them in anything i'm like wow that's strange maybe we shouldn't go like maybe it's not good now how is that affecting like i mean i know you do a lot of work for like local stuff i mean we've talked about this but how is that sort of how is your consumer behavior in terms of how you use social making you think about the work that you're doing um it it definitely affects it a lot um so the beer brand that we're working with we're basically kind of they have they had like a small social presence to begin with but they didn't have they didn't really have like strat like a strategy or a personality like a brand personality identified totally it was loose it wasn't like non-existent entirely but they weren't who they wanted to be. They weren't representing on their channel at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was basically kind of taking that and then and then showing them a few different pages of things that we thought and they thought were kind of like the look and style they wanted to be and like the type of personality they wanted to have. And then basically just kind of crafting everything into that direction so that people would see it and be like, I'm going to follow them because I... Maybe like, yeah, I like beer, but I also really just like this lifestyle that they're portraying. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, definitely totally goes into the clients that we work with. Um, You know, when we were editing this video for a vineyard that we worked with, we kind of, well, you'll understand this, but like picking the music for it, because it's just, you know, like montage with music. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And then... We finally, I think Matt finally found the right song, and we were both like, "This, you drop it into, you know, into the video, and you're like, now I want to go here and hang out. Like now, this feels fun, and it feels like somewhere I want to be. And if this popped up in my Facebook feed and I saw it, I'd be like, yeah, we should go here. It looks like, it looks and sounds like a good time, you know? Exactly. And I think like the biggest thing for me, especially, I mean, listening to so much music when I was younger was, as an editor music is almost like the first thing I start with. Like, I yeah. I mean, I can I can work with with uh, temp music, but going from, like, say, a temp track to, like, my final track can be kind of scary at times, especially given the... Um, I think it's just hard because it's... Um, it's... Uh, like, I'll, I, I don't know where you're getting me, your music. I don't know if you're using, like, say, the music bed or, like, pre- yeah. premium beat... But in both circumstances, it could, it can be a minefield out there in terms of what you're getting yourself into. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, we've used uh, Musicbed and Artlist. 
I haven't used them. How do you like them? Good. Um, Artlist we kind of used because uh, one of my brother-in-laws has an account with them, and it's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of, like, you can search by moods and instruments and genres, and it's it's insane, like, what type of video it is. Like, say you're doing a wedding, and it's really, like, happy and upbeat and not so emotional. Like, you can really get kind of refined into, like, the exact tone you're trying to set, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, but then we were just doing this. We shot this event uh, for Life and Whim for, like, this fairy house trail project that they were a part of. And they wanted, like, a very certain sound, like, a very folky, uh, with lyrics song. And nothing on Artlist was quite right, so we went on to Musicbed. And they actually have, like... I mean, big art, pretty big artists on yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty and, deep. It's yeah, it's, it's impressive. Nice. So you could get like Judah and the Lion or Greener Ordinance or something like that, and because of the scale of the project, it might only be like fifty dollars, yeah. which is really not bad. Yeah, it's also crazy because it's like I don't know if you know the name Salman Lahelm. Does sound familiar. He, he's a director. I'm he's I'm not sure who he's repped by anymore. Um, but he, uh, I mean, I've found his, I mean, he's a really good director. I mean, um, he's I'm trying to think, what has he done recently? Gonna have to look it up. Solomon. Oh yeah, I'm on his website right now. Dude's a beast. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, but it's like, if you go on the music bed, you can find stuff by him. Oh, that's cool. So he does music also? He does, but I think he's more of a director now. Um, that's where I've been seeing a lot more of his work uh, has been the directorial side. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, that's definitely the sort of level I'd like to get to, but it's just a huge uphill battle. Oh, yeah. It always is. <laughs> Um, but that's good, though, because that gives you something to constantly be working towards. It like is. Like you were saying, like, what's the end goal? I don't really know if we have an end goal as much as I have just what's tomorrow, you know? Yeah, what yeah. This, by the end of July, I want to have 95% of this video done for this for this beer client. So what do I need to do, like, every day to get to that point? And then, you know, it's just, it's yeah, smaller... Smaller battles, I think, are where my mind stays because it's healthier than when I think of, like, everything all at once. <laughs> True, and it, I think, like, and something that I've been fighting myself, the battles that I've been f fighting mentally is, like, I tend to obsess of, like, oh, how can I, how can I work on the biggest thing possible? And yeah. I, I, I lose sight of how do I just do my job day in and day out? I mean... And what I mean by that is it's like by focusing on these larger goals and obsessing over them and you find yourself in a position where you're constantly comparing yourself to others in terms of what they've accomplished and what you've accomplished. And I think that there's a degree of that that is healthy, but at the same time, I think it's also very unhealthy. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and I think it, I, I struggle with that too because I think you see like, oh, this person's doing this or this agency like this other small agency is like already doing xyz 
And then you get so caught up in like looking, you know, over the fence that you're not paying attention to what the hell you're actually doing, which is super unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then and then you're not doing anything because all you're doing is spending your time looking at someone else and being like, well, how come we're not there yet? And you're like, oh, because they've been working at this for two years already, and you just started. Well, not <laughs> so to get me- your ass back to work. Well, not to mention, it's like by pulling your head up and looking around. In doing that, yeah. you're you start focusing on what other people are doing. When in reality, it's like the game in my mind is not to be thinking about like what. And I I am guilty of this so much. The game is not to be thinking about what others are doing. The game is to be thinking about what you're trying to say about something, and really yeah. deeply and meaningful and finding a new way of saying something. I mean, that is the challenge that I think is more important than thinking about like, oh, well, what, who's, what, where's so-and-so at? And am I in a better position than them? Like, I think it's more important to find something worth saying as opposed to like comparing yourself against somebody else. Like I was talking to a buddy of mine who uh, is from my hometown, also moved to LA in the last year. And we, I was, this is going to sound so petty, but it's like, I was watching Amigos music video over at his, um, apartment and I was just like how the hell are the Migos a thing I don't get it it's like (laughs) like I should be at that level but and then he said something to the degree of it's like here's the thing though they have something to say have you found that thing to say that it was really unique and original that only you can say it that comes from a new and interesting perspective and it's been interesting to think about that because he's absolutely right in the sense of like we can't it doesn't make sense to compare ourselves against others when we don't have anything interesting to say ourselves. Yeah, totally. I think that's actually a really good point. And I think it's so it's so much easier to compare than it is to actually do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like it's so easy. Cuz you're like I can I can criticize someone else's work all day long but when it comes to me actually having to like do it I'm like oh shit <laughs> do I have do I have something to say can I say it do I know even know how to well not only that and- it's like we 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 get in this position it's like we spend so much time thinking about it and then when it's time to actually do the work we're like oh I'm so exhausted I don't want to do this yeah I remember um talking to Wayne probably first year of Brand Center like probably first semester, maybe even when we were, we were like all miserable and trying to figure out how you make pictures of things when they don't exist. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember I had hit on a concept for a print campaign, and I was talking to him about how I didn't I didn't want to do it because I didn't. It was going to be so much work, and he was. We were kind of just talking to each other about how like difficult it is to start something when you know how much work is going to go into actually finishing it and I think as creatives you, we have that problem a lot we're like this could be great if we did did this but do we even want to start because it's going to take a lot of like blood sweat and tears or in that case just a lot of tears <laughs> to finish um, and I think like with starting to the wolves it was the same thing we we talked about it a lot more and for a lot longer than the amount of time we actually have now started and are doing it. But once we finally stopped talking and just bit the bullet and did it, you know, 
like yeah it's a hell yeah it's like a lot of work and it's stressful and scary but it's it's actually doing something versus just standing around talking about how cool it would be if we actually did it yeah and it's <laughs> it's funny because it's like I, I've talked to these people down here in LA it's like oh like I remember this one dude's like oh we're gonna be millionaires I'm like okay well <laughs> then do the work like yeah you can say all these things and you can say how you're gonna have this and you're gonna have that and you're gonna make feature films and you're gonna x y and z it's like cool now do the fucking work right like like I don't working in creativity and working in the business has made me not willing to like listen to people's bullshit like oh, I'm, I'm willing I'm willing to talk about ideas and talk about creative endeavors and stuff of that nature but when they're talking lofty about like we're gonna do X Y and Z and life's gonna be great and we're gonna be hanging out with the Kardashians it's like I don't have time for that no I, I seriously oh. a dude was like telling me like oh I'm gonna I'm going to meet the Kardashians and I'm going to hang out with Kanye. It's like, dude, I don't care about any of that shit. Like, I just want to l- make the work that I care about, one, and two, have a decent lifestyle that I can do the things that I want. Yeah. I don't need to be rich and famous. That is the last thing that is on that list. I just want to You don't want to hang out with the Kardashians? I mean, who wouldn't? But at the same time, if it's between that and, like, making killer work, I'd rather make killer work because work has the longevity to sustain something of that nature plus like i don't need the drama (laughs) plus like do you really need to see photos of me and like on the front of the tabloids checking out i mean it'd be funny as hell in like a gold bikini or a gold uh speedo (laughs) yeah that would be a great look for me says no one ever it's a good look for everyone it's like everybody'd be like hey buddy he needs to like go to the gym more often for sure. I, I, I want to be conscious of your time because I know you're trying oh, to yeah. run a... We're kind of rambling anyways at this point. Something like that. But I do have one major one that... Um, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is living a creative life isn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world. Like, there's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, there's a lot of just, like, social anxiety that we put on ourselves in terms of the work that we're trying to make. And I guess, like, my question is, like, for those that are trying to start and those that are trying to create their own opportunities, leave the 9 to 5, start becoming a filmmaker or photographer, or just grow, find that new avenue of creativity, given your own experiences, what advice do you have in terms of starting those endeavors and building a career around creativity? I I know that is a very broad question, but... No, no. um, Honestly, the thing I would say is to just start like that is the hardest thing to do and it's the most important thing to do because you can talk about it and think about it and this is kind of what we already talked about but in the same way as far as being advice would be to just start doing it because until you do like you're never going to know if you like that direction you might think you like the idea of working for yourself and then you start doing it and you're like this is terrible I enjoy working for someone else Um, or you might be like, I want to get more into photography, but you don't start, you know, you don't start doing it. I think for me, it really became like forcing myself to start bringing my camera with me everywhere I went. And even though it's easier to shoot on your phone, like bring your camera and learn how to use it because it's, it's easy to not do anything. It's easy to be complacent. And I think the best thing anyone can do that's interested is just start doing it. 
um, and just see, you know, where it goes from there. And if you like it, then just keep, keep at it. Um, and if you don't, <laughs> obviously stop. <laughs> yeah. Find something uh, else, which is completely acceptable. Yeah. And there's plenty of things like I've, you know, we've all tried different at this point in our lives, probably like different jobs and different versions of our career and different agencies that we've liked and disliked. And you just, it's never easy to like stop doing one thing and start something else. But if you don't, like you're never going to know. And I think being at least creative, maybe, and maybe this is just me, but I think it's a lot of us is like, it's really hard to just settle. Like we were saying, like with your work, you know, it's hard to be like, this is finally done and ready to be put out there. It's the same with like being complacent where you're working and just settling for that. Like I want to constantly be growing and being and getting better and, and doing more. And so for me, it was really hard to just be like, I'm going to just stay at this one job for 20 years and then retire. Like one of the nice things about having your own agency is, and, and, also doing everything is that you're constantly on the go and you're constantly like either out shooting or maybe there's a day where I'm sitting there and I'm like concepting and we're doing, you know, copy write-ups and building a deck, but then the next day it's back out shooting again. And so I feel like I haven't, you know, it's only, I've just finished my first week of doing this full time. So maybe it's too soon to say, but I'm not bored, you know, and I'm not like, I'm stuck at a desk for, 40 plus hours a week, never seeing the outdoors, and every day is kind of the same. Whereas this is like always changing, which is fun. Well, that's, I mean, that's why we got into it, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, at least I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that about wraps up my conversation with Allison with To The Wolves. Big thanks to Allison for coming on the show. It was great to hear about what you and Matt are doing with To The Wolves and how you're trying to create content that engages people in new and unexpected ways. If you want to learn more about To The Wolves, you can find them on Instagram by searching for To The Wolves. You can also visit their website at www.tothewolves.co. That is .co, not .com. If you are enjoying Render Time and you are enjoying the content that I am putting out, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. At the end of the day, my goal with Render Time is to create a podcast that gives people a framework of how they can make a career around the things that they love, whether that's being a filmmaker, being an art director, or something else. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're all creatives and we're trying to find a way to support ourselves and create content that is engaging people in new and unexpected ways. If you want to follow me, you can find me all over the internet by searching for Richard Lutz. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also see examples of my work by visiting my website at www.richardlutz.com. Well, that wraps up this episode of Render Time. Big thanks again. And as always, create, share, and ultimately sustain the life that you want. Get out there and make some awesome work, guys. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon.